Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians, and they are a fascinating bunch of people. It'll be a great time, and I hope you can handle it. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Our guest today started off as a contemporary dancer who later discovered Argentine tango while working on her MFA in dance and choreography. She taught tango at Arizona State University for 11 years, and during that time, she introduced more than 1,500 students to the dance. She has held tango classes all over the U.S., Europe, and in Buenos Aires. With a teaching style that emphasizes technique and body biomechanics, she authored the Tango Workbook, first edition in 2015. It's a book designed for beginning tango students based on her years of teaching at ASU. She now teaches full-time in the Boston area and is also a tango blogger. And with me now from Boston is Daniela Borgiali. Daniela, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. Hey, thanks. How are you today? I, I'm doing great. It's really nice to be talking to you. So, you know, I, I, I saw your picture on Facebook. I might have met you. Were you at the uh, Tango Teacher Co-op in Minnesota back in 2012? Hmm, could be. Okay, I know you've been to a lot of places, but you do look familiar. <laughs> or maybe I just ran into you somewhere in, uh, uh, at a Malanga someplace. But <laughs> It could, you know, it could be. It's one of those things that uh, even recently with all the traveling I've been doing, it's one mm -hmm. of those things that I look at people and I'm like, where did I last see you? Or right. where did I meet you? Right, right. So, um, so yeah, once, the, once you start breaking out, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, it gets much more complicated to remember where you where you met people. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recognize Good. faces, though. Yes, yes, that's great. Good. So, uh, for the first question I got, uh, maybe you could take us back close to the beginning of your tango journey, way back then. So, can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? That's tricky. That's a tricky question, Joe. It could, it could be. It could be more than one moment. You know, I was a dancer. I remember saying to my parents when I was 10 years old that I wanted to make dances, and I didn't even know the word for choreographer yet, but I was okay. like, I'm going to go up and make dances. Nice. So there was a part of me that always needed to or wanted to be a dancer as a form of self-expression. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was in graduate school in 97, there were a bunch of other things that started presenting Argentine tango to me. There was a person here in Boston at the time, mm -hmm. even before graduate school, who was doing tango. And I was like, tango, what are you doing? Argentine tango is dead. My father's from Argentina. He doesn't dance. Why oh. would you dance? You know, <laughs> this kind of thing. So when I tumbled into tango in graduate school in 98, thereabouts, mm -hmm. I just thought it was neat. It's like, oh, look at this thing that you're doing with another body and it's still, you know, it still has a lot of the things that I loved about modern dance. I was a contemporary, I was a contemporary dancer. And right. so it had a lot of these same fundamental things that I could bring into, mm -hmm. um, into the dance at that time and with a partner. So mm -hmm. I was sort of intrigued by it. I remember being, like, oh, okay, this is kind of neat. This is really interesting. But um, I never at that point in my life thought that almost 20 years later that 
I would be so immersed in tango and that it would have taken over my life. Wow. I, mm-hmm. I never in my wildest dreams thought that that would be the case. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think that there was a moment when I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was just, I, I mean, I knew I, I loved the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and during graduate school, it started to kind of invade my, my research and my mm-hmm. desire for discovery um, with grants and trips to Buenos Aires to mm-hmm. research more. There wasn't like this aha. Ah, okay. It just kept showing up in my ah, life. I see. You know, that silly, silly Pablo Verón quote or Sally Potter quote, you know, okay. tango found me, you know. Yeah. And it kind of feels that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't necessarily go seeking it. I see. And I think there was a, a, a stage at the beginning, you know, where I was, I was interested in it. And mm-hmm. it was intriguing to me, but I was still a modern dancer and a choreographer. Like, okay. that was my vision and that was my goal. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and life does its thing. And then I found myself in Arizona and I was like, yeah, I'm here. I'm back in Arizona and I want to really commit to improving my and boosting my teaching resume. I want to teach modern dance and choreography. And they were like, oh, but you do Argentine tango. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. And they're like, would you like to teach it? And I was, oh, nice. oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, so again, there it was where I was like, um, no, there are tons of people who, you know, they're my master teachers. They should be teaching. I shouldn't be teaching <laughs> tango. And then next thing you know, it, it took over my life. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like uh, teaching Argentine tango as, as a college course? I think uh, what you've had over about 11 years of experience doing that at ASU, right? Yes, it was amazing. Nice. I would have to say it was the best job of my, of my entire life. And, <laughs> and I missed it tremendously, mm-hmm. um, but I needed to, to take a chance in my life and try something a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to get back to university setting, I think. Yeah. Um, it was a great opportunity. Um, Phoenix, Arizona, that whole area mm-hmm. is surrounded by community colleges. There are about 11 community colleges in that area. Uh-huh. And then there's the university. Mm-hmm. And so they have a really dynamic relationship between the community colleges and the, and the university. So I had started out at the community colleges, mm-hmm. and because of because ASU was where I had gone to graduate school, they thought of me as, as people were changing and things were changing in their curriculum that I eventually, again, you know, hi, I'm here, and they're like, great, you want to come and teach this class? <laughs> sure. And I loved it. Nice. I had anywhere from 60 students in in my Tango 1 class mm-hmm. and after a couple of years of that the students rallied together and and petitioned the department to add a Tango 2 class oh nice so i had yeah so i had students who had taken tango with me like all four years of their university mm-hmm. career sometimes mm-hmm. and there was also a Tango club so there had been a Tango club prior to me coming there but it was not very active. I see. And then when I came along, there were a couple of students who were really excited about tango, and they said, you know, is there a club? Could we start a club? I said, go for it. Yeah, nice. So they were really enthusiastic, and they were a fantastic team, these two particular students, and they really understood, because they'd taken tango so many semesters in right. a row already. Oh, that's great. They really, 
<laughs> they really understood the concept of community, mm -hmm. and and I really believe that that is how tango flourished for as long as it did at ASU, was because the students always understood that the relationship between the class and the club had to be symbiotic, and yeah. that they had to be it had to be a creature. It had to be a creature that really liked to give and receive and give back. So mm -hmm. the class would feed students into the club, and the club would feed students back into the classes, and they had to have fun. I said to them, yeah. the only way Club and Tango is going to survive on campus is if people enjoy coming. You guys mm -hmm. are so busy doing a thousand things. Right. Most of them were honor students, engineers, architects, nurses with high demands mm -hmm. of their curriculum already that if Tango wasn't fun, pizza party, bowling, laser tag, yeah. um, <laughs> you name it, right. they came up with some pretty crazy events, mm -hmm. the, ki you know, the kids wouldn't stay. Yeah. And, so, um, and that was proven several times over the course of, of the 11 years that I was there, that if it wasn't fun, people wouldn't stay. Right. Like if, you make, if they made tango about themselves and their egos, mm -hmm. tango club immediately dropped. Yeah. Like, in, like everything started to disappear. Uh. And so... It was really a study in community, and it was a, a study for me. It was, you know, my 10,000 hours. You know, I taught yeah. beginners every single semester mm -hmm. for, you know, twice, two semesters, 16 yeah. weeks, mm -hmm. over a decade. So for me, it was my 10,000 hours. Like, I know a student will learn how to tango in 16 weeks. Yeah. Like, I am 100% confident about that. Excellent. Because my students were then really sought after. Mm -hmm. um, in when they were able to go some to some big events that were close by, everybody was always like, "Oh, your students are so nice to dance with." Oh, so a, anyway, that's a so, great thing to hear as a teacher, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's such a great thing to hear as opposed yeah. to, um, "Yeah, don't dance with her students." Right? <laughs> so, um, so I was really, <laughs> I was really fortunate. So um, yeah, so teaching at ASU was an amazing experience mm -hmm. and uh, kept me pretty sheltered. From the rest of Tango world, I see. On I some see. level. So yeah, another question for you as a as a teacher. So a lot of our listeners, they are uh, people who are relatively early in their Tango journey. So they're just starting to feel that addiction uh, set in. Mm -hmm which is a great feeling. <laughs> a lot of them are still nervous about going to milongas. I mean, they're starting to go, but they're still you know, kind of learn, uh, nervous. So other than observing you know, the basic customs, such as proper floor craft and using the cabasail, so what advice would you give them or, or have you given previous students uh, to help make their milonga experiences more enjoyable? Um, call up your friends who are mm -hmm. in your classes and say, hey, let's go to the milonga together. Yeah. You have to, you know, again, it has to be social first, I think. Mm -hmm. And if you like dancing with them or practicing with them in class, that's going to make your milonga experience a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be one of my first suggestions. Yeah. My second suggestion is um, don't be afraid to sit at the milonga and look and observe and talk to some of the people who, you know, there's usually sort of a ranking system in most milongas uh -huh. in, in certain communities, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the table of the popular kids, you know, the popular, <laughs> you know, the people who've mm -hmm. been doing it a really long time. So mm -hmm. using your observational skills, you know, taking a chance to go maybe say hello to some of the people who've been in the community a lot longer and, and, and ask them things, even if you know the answers, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, who do you, you know, inquire, make them a part of, of your 
of your new experience mm -hmm. because they eventually are the people who are going to be the people you want to dance with mm -hmm. or who are going to want to dance with you. So try and engage with the people who are already there. And it's really, it's a hard thing to do, but there are ways to do it. There are definitely ways to do it. You don't need to attack a table of people, but you know, maybe mm -hmm. one of them goes up to a bar or goes to the snack table or something and then mm -hmm. you you're like, hi, I've noticed you're such a pretty dancer, or I love your dress, or, you know, compliments mm -hmm. go far. Okay. Um, that would be another thing I would say. And then I have one other thing, mm -hmm. which is I used to kind of force my babies, my newbies, mm -hmm. out onto the dance floor. I would oh. say, you have to do one dance. You, you know, break mm -hmm. the tanda, don't, but grab some another student, mm -hmm. and the only goal is to walk the circuit for three minutes to like yep. walk the ronda mm -hmm. for three minutes mm -hmm. you know pause walk breathe and make sure your embrace is still intact yes <laughs> <laughs> you know like make sure you didn't squish your poor person you know <laughs> on either right. your leader follow right on either side that nobody gets squished mm -hmm. in the span of three minutes yeah, um yeah. and even if you did it for one song you just told your partner I'm going to do this for one minute, will you, I mean three minutes, will you do this with me? Mm -hmm. It's amazing to see what happens when students force themselves to have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of a, it's a lesson in humility, but it's also very, um, it's almost like, oh, I did it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> it was hard, but I used to tell them, you have to do this. And of mm -hmm. course, you know, have to is one of those words that like they would either do it or they won't do it. But I can tell you that the ones who challenge themselves to try this mm -hmm. all all succeeded really well in mm -hmm. class because that was the confidence that they needed. Yeah. Not the confidence to like how many tricks of class can I do? Mm -hmm. How much can I remember? Mm -hmm. Let alone do it to the music. But can I hold this person, mm -hmm. breathe and chug along? To the, you know, without yeah. crashing into anybody. I mean, right. there's already enough to do exactly. without thinking, you know, am I going to do a cruzado boleo gancho combination anytime mm -hmm. soon? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, and I'm glad you mentioned breathing because that actually really, <laughs> that, that's something you'll be surprised how many people forget. Yeah. Oh, I know mm -hmm. how many people forget. So <laughs> I'm a big fan. When mm -hmm. in doubt, stop. Breathe, breathe yeah. and then continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you spent a lot of time as a teacher. What is some really good or memorable, memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers? That's a great, great question that I know when I get off of this call with you, I'm going to be like, oh, I should have mentioned <laughs> that. But um, there are a few teachers who have been a huge influence on me. Um, Graciela Gonzalez being probably the most, one of the most prominent, mm -hmm. probably because I've, I've spent more than a decade really working with her whenever possible. Mm -hmm. And she's a super intuitive teacher and, and knows me really well. Mm -hmm. So she, <laughs> I don't know whether it's advice, but okay. you know, it's, it's like how much tension, and this is my interpretation of, of what she, it's not a direct quote, obviously, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it's like how much, how much tension does my body need to have in order to create movement? And this is kind of my latest teaching as well, that, mm -hmm. that the, body's, the body is so smart. And I think she, she has also reinforced 
forced that idea from even my early dance days, which is the body is really smart and you mm -hmm. kind of forget that. Yeah. And then now coming back full circle and she, the body is really a smart thing. And so if we just um, take a minute to, to use it efficiently, um, we can dance tango with it as well. Okay. Um, you know, the embrace is the most important part of tango, which is yeah. the stuff I teach too, that we free, you know, it's like, what is happening in your embrace? Mm -hmm. You know, the embrace is going to dictate really everything else that's happening in your dance. Mm -hmm. um, so was there maybe a particular figure or concept in tango that you maybe were struggling with for a while until maybe a teacher came along and maybe just changed one thing or maybe explained it in a way that, that made a click in your brain? For sure. And there's been so many changes in tango. Uh, it, that's, a, that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> there's been, um, there's been, I'm going to say it this way, mm -hmm. there's been such a ch challenge or such a desire yeah. for teachers to explain what they feel in their bodies in tango mm -hmm. over time. And I mean that over time since, you know, since I first started, mm -hmm. people are saying essentially the same thing, but they have gotten, some teachers have been able to really advance the language mm -hmm. in order to explain this thing that's very kinesthetic in our body. So uh -huh. um, what I have discovered is that there isn't one way to do anything mm -hmm. in tango. Yeah. Um, and again, that goes with either explanation or I don't even want to go so far as to say style, but the mm. way people have have interpreted what they do in their bodies. I see. Like I, you know, if you point your toe this way, you're going to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, that. Or, um, you know, if you connect your arms to the rest of your body as you move into this turn, mm. turns for some reason, mm -hmm. um, you're going. It's going to be more efficient, and that could be as a leader of follow. Right. I think turns turns have been a big uh, controversial place of of pedagogy. I yeah. would say. Yes. You know, as to how people teach turns and how people mm -hmm. understand turns, mm -hmm. and um, I think the minute I decided to to put to the test uh, a connection of my embrace with my torso to my legs, like really imagining that my hands and my feet mm -hmm. have a connection mm -hmm. that through that it was connected through my spine mm -hmm. and was able to to use that. It, it made such a difference. Yeah. Graciela said one, Graciela says all the time, you know, mm -hmm. the lead is in front of you. So your arms should be in front of you. Your lead is in front of you. Mm. And it was amazing. The minute I, as a leader, you started to think, why would I move my arms behind my body? Well, there's plenty of people who move their arms behind yeah. their body in order to create a movement. Mm -hmm. But, but you can you can put that to the test with anything in tango, and it's quite remarkable, yeah. like how efficient it is. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, there's there are little things like that that have. Okay. been given over time but I would say she has probably because I've spent the most time with her over the last 10 years that mm -hmm. she has the most gems that I've been able to okay to use okay yeah again along with your teaching experience the there's this old saying that you know a teacher's best teacher are uh, his or her students so in all your years of teaching what are some important things you've learned from your own students that have helped you with your tango adventures 
Oh, they're amazing. Like when you as a teacher really open up to your students and they have the space to share or to reflect back to you, mm -hmm. A, they're so, I think people are willing to do that. At least my young students are really willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and they start to really, you know, challenge the material, you know, whether it is like, mm. does that work the same on the other side, even with the embrace like that? Mm -hmm. um, what happens when, you know, they, they constantly, at least my students over the, you know, at the university, because they knew that I was really like, I'm here to set something up for you, mm -hmm. but that's not, that's not where it ends. Mm -hmm. So that the journey is constantly going to be explore, exploratory. Yes. And so as they got more advanced, as some of my students got more advanced, mm -hmm. and and I say this actually lovingly, even though it's going to probably sound pretty critical, mm -hmm. they started to really get antagonistic. You know, they would mm -hmm. be like, well, on this video, I saw this move and yeah. he does da 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 da. And I would be like, does it work? Just mm -hmm. try it, mm -hmm. you know? And then they'd be like, well, I don't, it's not quite working. And I was like, okay, so what do you already know about tango? What do you know about the big concepts? And then they would be like, okay, I know X, Y, Z about a certain concept. And I go, okay, does it still fit? Does that person, according to the video that you're watching, mm -hmm. does that concept fit in with what you see? No, but why does it work with them? Yeah. You know, so it was awesome because it was, you know, yeah, I felt attacked a few times. <laughs> but, but I didn't, but I never mm -hmm. took it, I didn't take it badly because... Right. I love the fact that they mm -hmm. outgrew me essentially. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had, you know, my goal was, my goal is never to keep people near to me. I mean, I love people very much, but yeah. the goal is like, I give you to, I'm limited. I, I still am growing as well, but I, I reach a point mm -hmm. that I've given you everything. I call it the download. Okay. I download all I got. After that, you got to practice and, and start questioning for yourself. Like, mm -hmm. does it or doesn't it work and why? Yeah. And so my students were always coming back to me and offering me, you know, more guidance, you know, mm -hmm. more questioning, more challenges. And that was, that was the greatest part about working at the university is to be able to really have a, a laboratory with mm -hmm. students for mm -hmm. a period of time to really uh, dissect, which is different than what happens in the community when I mm -hmm. when I try and do four-week sessions or six-week classes with people it's like the concentration just isn't the same or the focus isn't the same yeah but um but even in that you know or even a workshop setting mm -hmm. you know my students teach me all the time that you know like okay, like what worked at the university because I have those kids twice a week isn't gonna be work in a two-hour workshop uh -huh. or you know I would do I would teach things in a certain sequence mm -hmm. and that what I learned doing a boot camp was that that sequence didn't that sequence doesn't work the same way mm -hmm. because people's desires or needs are different yeah. when I'm doing a workshop. So my students are I'm a teacher who is really open to that. Like mm -hmm. I am always looking at the body as it responds to what I say or mm -hmm. I'm looking at couples as they respond to you know, to cues or to advice or a negotiation that I might propose. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've, you know, I've learned so much about community and about um, teaching and about beginners mm -hmm. and about young people and older people from yeah. my teaching experiences and culturally too. Mm -hmm. Now that I've spent three years traveling around, um, there's also my students have taught me a lot about cultural 
cultural nuances, if you will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So really great. Yeah. So um, like you kind of made reference to this earlier. You said that there's always pretty much always something new to learn when it comes to tango. We're always still improving. So how do you keep challenging yourself as a dancer? It's a great question. So because I, as I had said that I, I mean, the easy answer is, you know, take class with different people, mm-hmm. et cetera. But, but I feel like it's gotten a little bit more um, complicated than that. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is having been sheltered for 10 or 11 years in a community and I didn't travel a whole lot during that time, mm-hmm. um, it made me a really great teacher, but I was dancing less. I see. And and I guess as, as much is so relative, right? Like mm-hmm. a community that has five milongas a week versus a community that has one milonga a week or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. You know, there's a relativity to that. But then... I, I leave the university and I go out into the world and I'm in Europe and I have the possibility of dancing at Milongas almost every night mm-hmm. in certain cities where I was. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the, my ratio of, of dancing to teaching shifts dramatically. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching a lot less, but I'm dancing a lot more. Ah. So, so for me, the learning curve began to happen as a dancer, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden I'm moving into a new, an, another space as a dancer, uh-huh. and then making question, having questions about, having questions as a teacher from the new perspective of being a dancer in these different communities with different leaders mm-hmm. who've been training with other people, etc. So, mm-hmm. how, do, so and then bringing those questions, you know, back to Graciela, or bringing those questions back to other teachers who I really respect, and being like, okay, this is what I've been feeling, or this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Graciela saw me recently. I was in Berlin earlier this year, and nice. she looked at me. I was dancing with. I was there to help translate and work with her in classes mm-hmm. and and train with her some more, and that was April, I think, mm-hmm. and. Um, and she saw me dancing at a, at a milonga. We arrived together, and I immediately danced with a um, really lovely guy. Mm-hmm. And we were having a really nice time. And she goes, interesting, very nice. You know, she <laughs> said something like this. And I was like, well, you know, he's a nice leader. She goes, no, it has nothing to do with him. It's you. Mm. So that was really, you know, it's like, okay, reminding yourself that, you know, it's like you're still independent in this interdependent relationship with this yeah, person. right in the dance so mm-hmm. that I think we, we constantly free, you know we're like well if he's a good leader then my dance is good and if he's a poopy mm-hmm. leader then my dance isn't <laughs> going to be good and we forget well we mm-hmm. still have ownership of our body our technique of our we still own ourselves right in the dance mm-hmm. so that was like a really great reminder from her mm-hmm. not to say that you know three days later she was like you need to work on this, this, this. <laughs> <laughs> right? right yeah <laughs> But um, I think it's really important to to keep in touch with with our teachers that we really care about, and and um, and that mentorship is really important. And I mean, you know, I think that would be another big step for me would be to be able to just go and like attach myself to her for a month, yeah. and, and that would be so great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that would probably help me grow as a dancer and me probably a teacher as well would be if I had, and I've always been sort of hesitant to talk about this because mm-hmm. I've always been 
kind of a one-man show for the most part mm -hmm. that you know having a having a partner that I really could invest time in mm -hmm. um, as a as a as a, a, a tango couple but I just mean like a being able to really work with somebody right. in my body with a with a consistent partner who mm -hmm. has the same set of tango values that I have mm -hmm. um, I think would also change my dance and form formulate another chapter for me if that was what the tango god is is and gods wanted for me mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. always important to i think keep an open mind to growing right. with tango mm -hmm. yeah that's an interesting thing you bring up about teaching alone versus with a partner um, i teach alone as well and in some ways it's great but in sometimes I, I sometimes feel man this would be this would be a lot more um, I guess useful for my students if I had a had a partner to show with, but I guess you got to leverage the advantages and disadvantages of of both situations. Yeah, for sure. It, not to make a huge dialogue about that, but no, right. mm -hmm. you know, it's it is it is a bunch of compromise. I love teaching by myself, and yeah. I feel like the students get to focus on just whatever that focus is that mm -hmm. you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But then the flip side to that is sometimes you know, the dynamic is that we, you know, maybe the class is more leader-centric for that class or more right. follower-centric for another class. So having to mm -hmm. balance that in a new way. Or sometimes you're dancing, you're teaching with somebody and they're saying something that you totally disagree with and they're talking mm -hmm. for 20 minutes and you're like, you're <laughs> kidding me, right? Yeah. Like, how, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. We teaching or we, we you know, mm -hmm. going on? Anyway, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages and I think there's a current trend, at least in Europe. A lot of, a lot of uh, organizers were telling me we don't need another, you know, we don't want another just woman teacher, no. regardless of how good you are. They're no. like, we just want teaching couples. We I just see. want teaching couples now. Mm. You know, so it's really interesting because, wow, can you, you know, which makes me then say, organizers, can you afford a teaching couple? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like that means that the fees are very different when you're a teaching couple versus a teaching per right. teaching solo. Mm -hmm. Okay, whole other, sorry, I tangent a <laughs> no, little that's bit. No, okay. that's okay, that's okay, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, mm -hmm. there, it's, it's all out there. It's all interesting mm -hmm. to talk about, too. Yes, yes. I'm going to switch gears a little bit to, to performing. You do perform, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do perform. Yes. What was, what was your I, first performance like? I did, you know, I had forgotten. I was trying to, I was like, oh, if Joe asked me this question, so I, I, I hope I have an answer. Oops. And then I dreamt of it last night. I woke up this morning and remembered it, which was so funny. Oh, you're psychic. Um, yeah, I am. Or like, into, <laughs> you know, like I got my Rolodex from the brain working. Um, when I was in graduate school, mm -hmm. um, there was an opportunity for students to showcase, to perform. Mm -hmm. um, and... You had to audition in order to to have your piece performed, mm -hmm. and so I did with somebody in the community. You know, they made me a costume, oh, nice. and uh, and my teacher at that time she gave me a pair of heels, my mm. first heels, <laughs> and uh, we did we choreographed I think the beginning and the end, mm -hmm. and then we and then we improvised most of it. And he wasn't a, you know, he was just a community member. He wasn't a performer, let alone choreographer, let alone really. Mm -hmm. He was just a social dancer. Mm. Um, and me be coming from theater and dance and all of this, I was sort of a diva. Mm -hmm. But um, 
But um, but we managed to do this performance. I don't think I can hear Champagne Tango by Desarly ever, ever. Oh. I, I think I purposely do not put that song on any of my playlists. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which I just remembered because I couldn't remember the song that it was either. Uh, this was so long ago, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I did that performance, and of course, I'm I'm a perfectionist, and mm-hmm. and I want high quality things. And I think we made a mistake, or he forgot something, and I remember being upset about it. Uh. But um, but it was you know it's always I think performing. Performing in tango is such a tricky thing, especially mm-hmm. coming from a dance background and a theater background where you have, you know, we learn about the different parts of the stage in dance and in theater and what's most effective. And mm-hmm. um, you divide the stage into parts and you would do, you know, your climax should be here and oh. your, your, you know, you don't bend over and flash your butt to the audience unless you're going for that. You know, yeah. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you're going for that, mm-hmm. you know, so... For me, knowing all of that, I didn't actually perform a lot of tango for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Be partly because I didn't have a partner, mm-hmm. um, and then when when I had a then when I gained a partner, <laughs> a couple <laughs> I was part of a, a couple, mm-hmm. um, and he became a part of my life. Then then we were asked to perform more, but again there was this there was still this discrepancy a little bit about how things would end up and I had to really let go of control mm-hmm. which was a really um, good thing for me mm-hmm. to learn that mm-hmm. whatever the performance was was going to be what it was and it was going to be okay mm-hmm. like to really own that and to really be okay in mm-hmm. that so performing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so there's performing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you brought up a very interesting um, you know uh, the concept of, of control you know, when there is this lead follow dynamic, you know, a lot of my students who follow, they, they always say, oh, I, I just want to be in control. I got to let go of that. And I don't think that's, that's necessarily a gender thing. It's more of a function of just everyday life. I mean, we have schedules we got to keep track of, and we have to be on top of things. But in Tango, we got to shift that mindset a little bit. So how do you uh, teach students or how do you make people aware of, you know, they don't have to be in control and that doesn't necessarily have a bad connotation? You know, yeah, let's, I'm going to take the word control off of it for a second. Great. That there still needs to be presence. Yes. You know, that that my body, as a, let's just say I'm following, mm-hmm. that my body is still very awake, all yeah. the way from my toes to my fingertips. Mm-hmm. I'm present with you. Mm-hmm. And so the control is that uh, there, I put the word back in only to kind of tie everything back to what we're talking about. The sure. control is in me. Mm-hmm. The control is me. Like yeah. I am, I'm in charge of my breath. I'm in charge of my attention to my partner. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge of my adornos if I choose to do adornments. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I'm in charge of. Mm-hmm. And in that, can I be in in unity or in couple with my partner. Yes. You know, so mm-hmm. my, as a leader, I'm in charge of watching traffic and trying to be musical and mm-hmm. trying to entertain my partner. But then as a follower, the in charge part isn't like I'm asleep at the, you know, I'm the passenger <laughs> right. on a long road trip, you know, right. from east to west coast and asleep, mm-hmm. you know, asleep in a ball. No, mm-hmm. that's not what I am. I'm mm-hmm. really present. I'm a part of the dance. Yes. 
And for me, you know, I'm going back to my roots of loving to dance. You know, the little kid who would, anytime music was on, I would be like bouncing off the walls, <laughs> you know? And so for me, it's still like, I'm not a passive passenger right. in my dance with my partner. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens, and this is what I used to tell my, my sort of next level students, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. the babies, the babies have to <laughs> learn, <laughs> the babies have to learn that one person is making a suggestion and that your job is to then, you know, take that. And so there's mm -hmm. this sense of, of maybe no control or mm -hmm. that, that, or passivity. Mm -hmm. And then the next layer of tango is, okay, now your legs know what's doing. Now we have to go back and be like, how are you the other part of the dance? Like, mm -hmm. how do you help shape this dance with your partner so that mm -hmm. it really is a cooperative? Yeah. Um, and so this is, it, that's the exciting part of tango. But tango is so layered that unless people stay on for the ride, mm -hmm. they're not going to get that next piece. They're going to be stuck yeah. in like, I'm a passive, I'm a passive mm -hmm. passenger needing to let go of control. Mm -hmm. And they think the dance ends there. Right but it doesn't right mm -hmm. so um that's would be kind of my explanation of that okay good good yeah i think our listeners will definitely appreciate appreciate what you said there thanks yeah. i hope so <laughs> okay so what uh, what future projects are you working on nothing quite defined yet okay um we we shall see what the tango goddesses decide for me <laughs> mm -hmm. um in a little bit of a transition again mm -hmm. and um you know really looking at how tango is looked at in community I'm, i mean i think i'm really interested as always that even though i don't have a home base right now so mm -hmm. home base would be a good thing for me to probably look into is is finding a home again mm -hmm. um but noticing how communities seem really, um, communities are getting smaller, communities are still dividing, all of that. Yeah. But is there a way to, now that I've been a traveling teacher and I've been a community tango organizer, home person, mm -hmm. that I've built community as well, is there a way for me to take that knowledge somehow and, and maybe help bring some insight to communities so that we can start to get tango at least buoyant again mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many people will contact me and tell me that they you know they've dropped out of tango or that they're thinking about coming back and mm -hmm. and and the community suffers tango teachers suffer mm -hmm. organizers suffer like it doesn't help the whole amoeba and so um i don't know i i feel like there's a a place for me there somehow mm -hmm. yeah. um and and so i it's, we'll see if something comes about. It's not quite clear, but I feel like I have, and there are plenty of people interested in that as well mm -hmm. currently in the U.S., so maybe there's a place to help do something or initiate or ignite some fire or create new paradigms. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, probably continue writing my blog and yeah. finding places to share my tango and... And I think I would like to start focusing a little bit more on, on, um, on, on performing. I was able mm -hmm. to perform with lots of interesting people nice. uh, while I was away in Europe and, and really 
helping me to define, you know, what what is that thing that creates performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I'm still a social dancer. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. But there's another skill mm-hmm. in performing that would go back to my original, you know, love of being a choreographer um, way back in the day. So I don't know. Maybe there's something in there before my body totally gives out. <laughs> Um, maybe there's something there if, if a tango partner manifests, but, Mm um, I don't know. I love teaching. It's what I've done for the bulk of my adult life now, and I just can't imagine not doing it. So I'm hoping that the goddesses are on board with that Mm -hmm. and that I can continue to create more, more teaching for myself. Okay. Okay. So where can we find out more about you online? Accesstango.com. Accesstango.com. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, A C C E S S T A N G O. Yeah, way back in the day, mm-hmm. accessibility was my concept back then. Okay. So, um, access tango or my name Daniela Borgiali will also get you to me. Okay. Yeah, I'll have that in our in our show notes, so we'll be able to find that. Okay, awesome. and 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 your blog is also on your website as well. Yes, correct. Okay. All right, all in one place. Great. Okay, Daniela, thank you again so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it, and I think the, uh, the listeners will really enjoy it as well. Well, great. Well, thanks so much, Joe, for having me, and yeah. you've got the perfect voice for a podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do. I, it's, <laughs> maybe it's the allergies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like you've got this great voice a great tone thank you thank you yeah Yeah. no good yeah when i was in college my friend had a radio show and i would i would be the voice of kermit the frog on the uh no kidding (laughs) that's awesome that's really great greetings kermit the frog here and then i would just read the weather as kermit (gasps) the frog and people people oh my gosh (laughs) you totally sound like kermit (laughs) thank you very much daniela (laughs) oh my gosh Oh, that's amazing. Maybe, maybe you I should do a whole show. Some... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should do a whole show as Kermit the Frog. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, who you would interview for that. But I, that's I don't know. Really that, would, that would be fun. <laughs> I'm sure somebody out there would be up for it. <laughs> I'm up for it. I'll listen. <laughs> I'll listen. I don't know. Um, oh, sounds wonderful. good. Good, good. Okay, well, thanks again, Danielle. That was great. And good luck with all of your tango adventures. And um, yeah, stay in touch. Great. Thanks so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Take Uh, care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to give special thanks to my friend Yumiko Krupenina out in San Francisco. She's the one who connected me with Daniela. Okay. That was another fun interview. Daniela made a lot of good points. And the one I want to stick with is about the active role of the follower. To the new tango student, there's often an assumption that the leader's in charge and the follower is just there to obey. And in tango, that's really not the case. I really like how she stresses the importance of the follower being present, paying attention, and being aware of one's own body and movements throughout the dance. And that connects to what Daniela's teacher said, if we dance well during a tanda, the credit should go mainly to us, And it's not because we happen to have a good partner, although that is always nice. So don't give your partners too much credit, and that also means we can't blame them when things go wrong. So thank you again, Daniela, for sharing your experiences and thoughts with us.
And to all of you listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, it would mean the world to me if you could go to any one or all three of those platforms, leave a five-star rating, a positive review, and remember to subscribe. It only takes a minute, but does a lot to help more people find this podcast. Now, on SoundCloud, I don't think they have stars. There's just that little heart button uh, next to the track. It's pretty easy to spot. Just give that a click, and you're good to go. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes on Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>